Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 110. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power and holy garments from the womb of the morning. The dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves with whom he loves, as a father is a son in whom he delights. James chapter 4 verses 11 through 17. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and a judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Good morning and welcome to the 11th day of Christmas. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Albany, Oregon. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 110, Proverbs 3, and James 4. And I sometimes have to remind myself that this isn't just exegesis, first formation, um, but also I really do want it to be inclusive, inclusive of prayer and prayerful activities. And I saw Melchizedek up there and holy garments and got my little brain thinking about you know how these connect to other things. But then I read James and it reminds me about some of the deeper things that are going on in the text and the importance of paying attention to those as well. 
Um, at the end of James, James is, I, James is my favorite book of the Bible. Um, we don't know for sure, but it was probably written by uh, James the Just, also known as James the Lesser, um, who's the brother of Jesus. And he uh, becomes the Bishop of Jerusalem. We hear uh, from him in Acts 5 and, and later. And he presides over the council at Jerusalem where they decide that um, non-Jews entering the faith, this thing that Jesus does with Judaism in their mind, um, that the only restrictions or requirements are that they not um, sleep around or eat any food uh, dedicated to idols. And they mention specifically things that are strangled, um, which evokes the snake of the Garden of Eden, because snakes are the, I think, the only things I can think of that actually strangulate their, their prey. They, they prevent them from breathing. Anyway, um, so James uh, very possibly could have written this letter. It has some language that suggests James doesn't know about anything after his death. Um, it takes the same kind of tack character-wise as some of the the testimony about James from like Josephus and uh, uh, apocryphal gospels and pseudo-graphic novels, uh, <laughs> gospels. Um, and so it, it very well could be Jesus' brother writing this stuff. And he's very like Mark, um, who has this very short gospel, short and to the point, or I, I'm thinking of Luke over Matthew and the Beatitudes, where one says poor in spirit, blessed are the poor in spirit, another says just blessed are the poor. And James is very much like this latter kind of example, very frank, direct, pragmatic, simple. Um, and yet this author, uh, who very may well be Jesus' brother, um, is able to kind of... Um, provide nuance in ways that I, I think in certain ways I think that Saul or Paul doesn't always get right. Um, Saul loves theology and systematics and putting things together. James is all about relationships and people. And so he says he's very frank and pragmatic about the issue of sin. And sin, you can you can infer from James's line, whoever knows the right thing and do, to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. It feels kind of relative, but it's actually really kind of complicated. And I say that, I say that, you know, reflecting back on my time in service, thinking I was, you know, kind of sort of had it together and realized, you know, I was almost as bad as everybody. Um, but also some of the guys that I served alongside, like I just... They just weren't all there, and I couldn't imagine them doing certain things with malice. Um, and so for James, um, there are people, there, there's a gradation of ability to know, you know, if, if they know the right thing and they fail to do it, then it's sin. But if they don't know, it's something other than sin. Maybe there's, you know, gradations of sin too, but... Um, I think that's an important thing to point out. Um, not only like the conscientious kind of level of it, of, you know, can someone do something evil if they don't know or if they can't fully grasp their actions like children uh, or people, you know, like some people have uh, neurodivergent uh, abilities or, or disabilities that make it 
make the ability to comprehend and put together knowledge or, or experiences is different, right? I think like psychopathology where um, people don't understand emotions, they just mirror them to other people. Like I find James's attention to human humanity in this point very important uh, for another application. Uh, survivor's guilt. Um, it, you know, I think the kind of proverbial case of, you know, a guy, two battle buddies walk along the road, one of them gets, one of them gets blown up, the other one goes, lives with survivor's guilt the rest of his life, saying, you know, could have done more, we shouldn't have done this, that, the other thing. But they don't really have the control, the agency, uh, the ability, the knowledge, um, which for the, you know, for the Greek world, the Hellenistic world from which uh, the, you know, the New Testament kind of is grounded, um, knowledge and experience were two sides of a singular coin, um, uh, techne and phronesis. So uh, not having some experience could also be said to have not had some kind of knowledge. Um, and so <clears throat> survivor's guilt, to me, I think there's, there's the danger of believing that you had more control and agency and knowledge than you really did. Um, sometimes we have to be honest with ourselves and admit that something just happened and that it couldn't have been prevented or that we couldn't have prevented it in any way. Um, and that's a really scary thing for you know an American to imagine, a modern Western American, because we like to think we're in control. We like to think we have more control than we really do. And that's the kind of the dark so side of, of uh, survivor's guilt. Like we don't really have as much control as we'd like. And if that's true, that means we're not culpable for as many things as others might tell us that we are. Um, I, it makes me think of a, a woman uh, who does things very much like I do at the intersection of uh, veterans and uh, the church. And she was in Iraq around the same time I was, never met. Uh, I just follow her on social media. Um, and she said, you know, one of her, the stories she shares in a book of hers, um, I'm not going to give her name or the title because I don't know, I don't know how she'd take it. I'm only... I only have what she shared. I'm comparing it to my own experience. I haven't really, you know, reached out to her to learn more. And that's why I'm not giving her name and other information. But she got the same briefing that I got at the head of uh, of a of a convoy. You know, kids can be used as human shields or uh, diversionary tactics. If you see a kid and they dart into the road, you don't put the brakes on you run them over i mean you try to avoid them as long as you don't endanger the people in the back but like you don't you don't uh you don't stop and i hear that you know as a relatively entitled young man and i thought yeah pff, that's not gonna happen i'm gonna fucking stop everybody in my fucking truck knows what they signed up for uh some little kid i don't care even if they're into it for lack of a better word i'm not hitting them I had no problem with that because I knew I wouldn't and I knew what my boundaries were and I knew I didn't give a shit you know, who got hurt if it were a kid. And that was a really a clear and like I'm very aware at the moment like this is not going to happen. Well, this woman 
um, who was there around the same time, got the same briefing, and that really tore her up. Thinking, I imagine, I assume, man, if some if a kid jumps in front of my car and tr- in front of my truck, my Humvee, uh, I've got to hit him. But to me, it was like, no, it's no, that's not going to happen. Um, and so the experience, her experience and my experience are different. Uh, leading up to that moment, I had a certain amount of agency as a dude where I could think like, that's horseshit and it's not going to happen. Um, and I've, I, I'm only assuming, but I imagine the, the experience of being a woman and then also being a woman in the military, you follow a lot more orders uh, than I think, you know, young, stubborn, idiotic kid from Southern California would. And so the the idea of you objecting even to that order might be further from reality, right? Like you actually might do it and that causes trauma. Like I don't, I don't have, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say I have no trauma from it. Um, but I don't have any trauma from remembering like, you're not going to get me to run over a kid. Like check one to the terrorists because they're going to win that one. I'm not running over a kid. Um, and so the, to bring it back to, to bring it back to, um, James's, you know, one last line that I found so, uh, moving, obviously, like there is a relationship between knowledge and experience and sin and trauma. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's not a one-to-one formula. It's not something that we can easily tamp down, but like, I'm sorry, the, the seven-year-old who gets shoved in front of a Humvee hasn't sinned, right? And I'm sure as shit not going to be baited into sinning by kind of perpetuating that, this, you know, I don't know, sin cycle or something. Um, and so sin and experience or knowledge, uh, they are interconnected. It's not, you know, it's not something that's cut and dry. And, and even if we want to believe uh, that we have or don't have control, we often find out that we don't. And I don't, you know, survivor's guilt is much more complex than a single kind of moral equation. But I would like to think that that connection between experience and guilt or sin um, is such that I, I, I would hope that people uh, who are struggling with that uh, can find some solace in, in I, I hope they can discover uh, the kind of, I don't know, confidence I suppose that I felt in that moment of, no, you don't have that control over me or I don't have that control, like knowing precisely what agency and control you have um, and that being a part of our experiences and processing them and resolving, um, you know, what we've done and what we've not done um, and not letting other people tell us that we're sin, we have sin for things that we haven't, we, you know, a careful consideration of, of the context would show otherwise. Um, and so it's this two-way, two-way street, double-edged sword of knowledge and experience heighten, um, you know, that, that kind of awareness. And I want to say Ezekiel, teachers bear the greatest uh, burden because they're next to judges. Um, that you, if you're teaching somebody else something and you have some knowledge, like there's a greater burden on you to get it right. And I think that very much is reflected in James. Um, and his understanding of the the just deeply nuanced and complex relationship between experience and and sin.
A prayer for knowledge of God's creation from the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and everlasting God, you made the universe with all its marvelous order, its atoms, worlds, and galaxies, and the infinite complexity of living creatures. Grant that as we probe the mysteries of your creation, we, may, we may come to know you more truly and more surely fulfill our role in your eternal purpose. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling in to First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast by clicking the link in the show notes. Or, if you serve military families, subscribe to First Forward, a paid subscription feed providing commentary on Sunday lectionary texts a week in advance. Use it for sermon prep or just because you support the troops. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instruction will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with PewPewHQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in an episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off of air. So there you have it. Three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I haven't convinced you to fall in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac. Always faithful, always family. Semper Familia. See you.